Hello and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lenu. And uh, this is going to be a violent one, because it's the bloodiest death that ever was, until it wasn't. We watched Bonnie and Clyde, 1967, and we're going to talk about it. Before we do, I'm going to ask my friend here how his week was, and he's going to say, actually, it was good. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> It was a fine week and a better weekend. It was a good weekend. We had a very good weekend. You, we might tell you about something we did over the weekend at the end of the show. <gasps> Hold on for the surprise. Okay. Are you ready to I'm talk about absolutely ready. this movie? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way. Didn't like it. So you didn't care for it at all? Did not. Did not. Mm. Uh, there were things in it that I enjoyed. Right. Uh, the C.W. Moss character is mm-hmm. probably my favorite. Okay. And I liked Warren Beatty's acting in it. That's it. That's all. Oh, wow. I also, I did find the the murder scene at the end. It's a, mm-hmm. they, they murdered them. That's the only right. way I can do, yeah, um, yeah. describe it. Uh, effective. It was <laughs> effective. But, yes, I did not care for this film. Really? And what was it that in particular you didn't care for? A big part of it was, and this is on purpose, so Mm -hmm. I can can dislike this on its merits, not as an accident. The tone shifts in this film bothered me. Also, some of the, like, film, like the cinematographic? Cinematography? (laughs) Yeah, but the choices of that, so I want to put a C, I C at the end of Uh it. I didn't like I, it. Won for best cinematography, which mm-hmm. it, so this is on me, I guess. But right. specifically, there is a point where Bonnie wants to see her family, uh-huh. and it appears that Clyde acquiesces to that. He doesn't say that, and then they switch to the scene on a beach, ostensibly with her family, but. It looks totally different. Like, it looks like they smeared Vaseline on the on the mm-hmm. camera. And then I was like, is this a dream? Or is this actually happening? And apparently it was actually happening. But it was confusing to mm-hmm. me. I don't know. I just didn't like it. I didn't like Faye Dunaway's character. Not particularly surprising because I don't really like Faye Dunaway, like, as a person. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a little unfair. But also, like... This checks out as a reason I don't like her. I don't know. I didn't have as big of a problem with Clyde. Uh, and like I said, I think Warren Beatty's acting was very good. But some of the things that Warren Beatty had to act are aggravating, and I think we're going to talk about right. that. Uh, like I said, I like C.W. Moss. I think some of the things he does are very funny. Uh, there's a scene where he is supposed to be driving a getaway car. It's their very first time. Mm-hmm. And he sees a spot open up, so he parallel parks. <laughs> it's just like... Dude, <laughs> like, yeah. what are you doing? Uh, I found him very funny, and, and I thought, I don't know that actor. Mm-hmm. He reminded me of a bunch of different actors, so I, but I didn't know him particularly. I thought he was very funny. Um, but it's hard when you're watching a movie about violent people try to be like a Benny Hill-style comedy at certain mm-hmm. points. Um, even the music right. kind of was like the that like like a Keystone Cops situation, and I'm just like, um, they are straight killing people, yeah. 
Uh, they don't start by killing people, but they end up killing a lot of people. Right. And just to have it be, like, sort of cavalier, and then to have such a violent ending. Um, and I understand that that was all on purpose, which is why I can say I don't like it. When I read in the Wikipedia article that it was strongly influenced by French New Wave film, I was like, oh, I don't like that either. <laughs> so that's that's a personal preference. I also did not find it thrilling. Mm-hmm. Just generally. Uh, they seemed very hapless, which I guess I kind of appreciate that more than so many crime stories or, you know, that show these criminals as like masterminds and geniuses. More often than not, they're lucky right. and relatively dumb. <laughs> so uh, I did kind of like that piece of it. And I thought Gene Hackman was also really good. Um, Gene Hackman's wife, Blanche, uh, she also won an Academy Award, mm-hmm. and uh, and went on to become quite a character actor. That's awesome. I yes. got she. She like was. It's not that I didn't like her. I didn't think she mm-hmm. was good. Like, and I'm sure she was doing what she was asked. But it it read very much to me like Mark Wahlberg and The Happening, where it's just like tone it down like yeah. half of um, half a. We should explain point. this film was very was not just influenced by the French New Wave. It was offered to the director and writer of Breathless, which is a film that you did not care for. One of my least favorite movies. (laughs) Not that um, it's a bad movie. mm -hmm. I just didn't like it. But it's very much um, a sort of historical... uh, Breathless is a film about a young French hoodlum who emulates gangsters in Hollywood films. Right. And he hooks up with... an American uh, journalist, although she's terrible at her job, rather. Um, Hence the hooking up. Right. Mm, and We know that one of my least favorite tropes is uh-huh. person who's bad at their job because they fuck whoever they're supposed to well, not be fucking. She, wasn't, she gets picked up by him and then desires to continue a, a path in journalism and actually betrays him to the police, if I remember cor- properly. I believe that's right. And then covers the story herself. So she becomes a part of the story. Gross. Um, and what's odd about this film, I know that you don't care for Gene Seberg. I don't. Who then turned out to be one hell of an actress. And when you're watching the difference between that film, and where she's essentially hired to look pretty, and yeah, a film she, like... She has uh, almost no affect in that Yeah, movie. she did another film with, um, with uh, Warren Beatty. Mm-hmm. Uh, about an, uh, a patient in an asylum and mm-hmm. how he falls in love with her. Um, is he a doctor? It, Please tell me he's no, not no, no, a doctor. Not. Okay. Um, and <laughs> before he realizes that she's a patient, and then he tries to continue a relationship with her, despite the fact that she will do all these sort of very aggravating and horrible things uh, to him. And her performance there is really very So good. she's like a border, she's got like borderline personality right. or something like that. Okay. She's. It's a very interesting film, and um, and when I saw that after having seen Breathless, I thought, mm. "This how is this the same person?" Mm. The first film, she's very much a very pretty mannequin, mm-hmm. and in this other movie, she is acting the hell out of this part. Um, I kind of wanted to see that movie that Kristen Stewart played her, right? And I, but I heard mixed reviews. I don't know. I think Kristen Stewart is very good. Right. I think, and I think she can capture and that mannequin. Of, yeah. This is one of Kristen Stewart's heroes as well. But 
well, the thing is right. that with Breathless, the film had all sorts of very weird tropes as if the people in that film, or Belmondo, um, who plays the uh, the hoodlum, he is very conscious of the fact that he's a hoodlum and the fact that he's uh, he's carrying, playing a part, essentially. Right. In the it, very end, he gets shot and he staggers through a crowd. No one warned any of the people in this crowd that he was staggering through it. So they're looking at him like, what the hell is going oh, on with that guy? Oh, this is just like guerrilla right. shooting? Woof. Uh, and, or the other thing that we saw very much right away in that film is this jump cut editing mm-hmm. where Belmondo at one point is driving down a road and suddenly he's at the seashore, suddenly he's along the coast. And that happens in the very opening scene of this movie mm-hmm. where we're given different cuts that jump around that are meant to convey uh, Bonnie's um, sense of, of being trapped. Yeah. So she's wandering around naked around her room and she's standing, she's sitting, she's lying down, she's looking between the bars, which are all things that are basically breaking the rules of editing. Right. But it's done in such a way that it actually makes her feel confined. I actually, Mm -hmm. I didn't hate that part other Mm -hmm. than when she flaps on the bed and just, just the the big sigh. I was just like. Right. But I think that the film was originally offered to, uh, I believe it was offered to Godard. Um, And then it was uh, because the idea was to have someone direct a piece of Americana that way. That yes. Um, And, uh. I guess, like, you were, we were talking about it. It was offered it. To Tr- for Truffaut first. And oh, then okay. He suggested Godard, who didn't trust Hollywood Studios, whatever. Fair enough. And, um, yeah, and then he they wound up going, Warren Beatty was really pushing to get it produced at that point because he was attached to it. It was, it's, it's surprising that it got made. Yeah. Because it seems like nobody wanted to touch this movie yeah. except Warren Beatty. And he wasn't directing at this point, no, right? No, 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 Because he did right. end up directing, He, he right? wound up getting Arthur Penn to direct the film. And uh, from what I understand from Arthur Penn, he said that Beatty just kept pursuing it, would not let it go. And there were concessions made. Um, yeah, let's talk about right. some of that. And that that's, it's interesting because I've read two different versions of that story. Okay. Or, or at least two. One of which is that Warren Beatty conceded to having um, the actual uh, Clyde Barrow. Clyde Barrow is Tamaro. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay, I, I'm mistaking him with um, the the lion tamer who was a something Clyde something or other. Um, but he he and Bonnie had an open bisexual relationship involving CW, their mechanic. Oh, interesting. And that was that part makes of the, a little bit of sense. That was part of the original script. And I feel like that make because here's the thing uh-huh. about CW that doesn't make a lot of sense in the movie. Why they keep him around. Right. Because he's a little bit dumb. Right. I mean, they're not He's also the brightest. very good with cars, too. He is. Which that's, is that's basically the, why the they do it. The film. But mm. I feel like they could probably find another mechanic. Right. Maybe not that wants to go on a spree. Mm-hmm. But he also is, I guess... Like, I think when we were watching it, I was like, is he developmentally delayed? And so is Clyde. Clyde is too, but I feel like the, is, is, Uh could be seen that way. But I feel like, as you say, the real Clyde Mm -hmm. was bisexual. Right. Hollywood would not allow that. Right. And there's different versions. One of them, which is that in approaching or trying to sell the product to the producers, Warren Beatty did not have a problem with being portrayed as bisexual. However, the studios did not want that. 
Right. So that he backed out. Another version says that he himself did not want to be portrayed as bisexual, not because bisexuality was an issue for him playing that character, but he didn't want it to appear like whatever sympathy you have with these three characters, the fact they pick up a teenage boy and essentially use him for sexual purposes. Okay. First of all, uh, there's no way this... I guess he's I supposed to be a teenager. Right. He looks 32. Like, he's, right. a, but he's he didn't clearly want to create this sort of idea that this this is sexual perversion. They're deviants. They can, you know, get a boy for their... Per- this is, again... They're bank robbers. They right. kill a bunch of but people. The producers and the director felt, Arthur Penn, felt that if we do that, whatever sympathy or identification a mainstream audience is going to have with these characters is out the window. I guess there is the the, the fact that mm-hmm. at this time and all the way up through three years ago, maybe, uh-huh. and it's probably not that bad, but close to recently, mm-hmm. like through the 90s for sure, if you saw a gay-coded character, they were a villain. Right, and that's kind of what uh, a, another version of the story, which is that he was trying to avoid that um, and the producers agreed with him. In the end, he winds up changing his particular issue not to being that he is a gay man in the Depression. Or a bisexual or man. Or bisexual man. Not the same. Or queer, I guess, is the yeah, best way to approach that. Yes. Um, but that he is impotent. And so <sighs> the idea being that that led the director in a whole different direction where he's able to go, then these acts of violence are cathartic for him. Arthur Penn says... He didn't really see quite as impotent. He saw him as very sexually immature. Sure. He goes into the army. He then he goes in. He goes in the army, which we never right. We not, like I we mentioned. That's the reason why he has a limp. Oh. Uh, right. He cuts off his toes so he can get out of work. That's right. He pri- mentions well, it prison. once, and then they right. never revisit it. Yeah. So that happened to him in prison. So he goes from the army into prison, into it's like he had never lived an adult life or learned right. how to, but. Bonnie, on the other hand... I, f- I feel like that would have been better uh-huh. if they made it so that he wanted to, but then just couldn't get to... Like, right. it's it's a timing issue rather than it doesn't work at all. It works too well right. and too fast, right? I feel like that would... And I feel like that would keep them together because Bonnie is... She wants to be with him sexually right. and is frustrated constantly that he won't be with her. Um, like, she gets it on the short term because he says, you know, I'm not like that. But then at the long term, I mean, they were to, they mm-hmm. were out on the road for two years. But that's the other thing. The time in this movie is You don't weird. have a clear idea how yeah. long they're spending. Um, but, yeah, so his, his stint in prison... He was in prison when he was supposed to be maturing right. as a as a young person. Yeah. And so when he sees her, he's obviously fascinated by her. The first scene mm-hmm. we see of her, she's naked. She's nude, yeah. At the window. Um and he he's smitten with her, but he's either too nervous or too scared to actually be able to perform sexually with her. Okay. And the Yeah, that's interesting. Uh-huh. That is belied by the fact that right off the bat he says, I'm not into that. Right. And that's not that doesn't and he read even as, makes a whole protest. It's like, well, I don't like boys or anything. It's just yeah, I'm not which was it. a bummer. I was right. just like, to mm-hmm. to erase that part of his um, life mm-hmm. is one thing. Right. To negate it 
is a different thing. Right, to actually have him come out and say that. Although I think that it can be read, the scene where they introduce themselves to CW, that it plays like a seduction scene. She's flirting with him, he's flirting with him. Yes, I would agree with like that. And they're both trying to inveigle him to just drop everything and join them, and he does. Yeah. But maybe we should start reviewing the movie because yeah. we're talking about scenes that... Well, that's fine. And there's not much to the film, really. That's the thing. That, and that's one of mm-hmm. the, the things that I, I brought up with timing is a, cu- a few things happen, mm-hmm. but more, more than that, it's there's things that are happening in the background that we're not seeing. Right. Like, we know they're robbing a bunch of banks. We see one bank robbery and not... F- well, <laughs> we see one attempted bank robbery. Right. Then we see them going into the bank, but we don't see... Oh, oh yeah, and we see the whole thing. Right. And we see one where they go in and CW fucks up the right. the getaway. That's it. That's all the bank robberies that we see. But how many bank most, robberies did they do? Most of like the, the real ones in this film... And they, they keep referring to this, that uh, the... If they did everything that was attributed to them, they're not only driving like maniacs across from state to state to state, but that um, if they did that, they would be rich and they would not need to be holding up right. these sort of like Dust Bowl era banks. And and the the thirties is very much, or the depression is very much at the heart of this yes. movie too. Right. That's the the mm-hmm. first time he says, "I'm a bank robber." He was right. If he was a bank robber before prison, he wasn't at this point. They'd been right. holding up like convenience stores and things. Um, they go into the bank, and there's one dude, and he's like, "We closed the week ago. Right. Like, there's no money here because it's the depression. It's 1931 to 1934. Is that when when they died? So they were active for four years, and they robbed in reality less than 15 banks. Yeah, they were. Anytime a bank was robbed, it was attributed to them. They couldn't have been at all. And and most of what the violence, at least the way the film depicts it, we always have to remember to separate the actual film from these historical characters because they they did take some liberties with history, including one that you pointed out, where uh, when they're being uh, attacked by the police, which is really the only way to put it. Yeah. um, That was a state execution. Yeah. in the first time that, that happens, when oh, his brother right. gets killed, yes, uh, we have Bonnie get shot, and then mysteriously the guy who shoots her gets shot and killed, a sheriff. But that didn't happen in actual life. There was no officers getting killed at that particular... Um, I don't even know what to call it, because what is interesting to me about this film is how the police just straight-up murder people they don't like. Yeah, well... And so half of the time... <laughs> that they are, they've killed people, it is, and again, this might be not be the case in true life, but that they kill people in this film are defensively. The police simply show up and start shooting through windows. Yeah. Well, the first time they mm-hmm. killed somebody was, the, I guess, the first time you ever saw... Right, in an American a, film that you ever oh, saw. Oh, yeah, an American hole. film, uh-huh. specifically in every other, sh- you know, right. shooting shot... Sorry, uh, you'd see the person who sh- who shoots, mm-hmm. and then you'd see the aftermath. Right. But you wouldn't ever see them together. Right. It was two cuts. It was like, for instance, God forbid, I would shoot you, Please shoot, don't. show me shooting, yeah. show you reacting, 
And maybe if there was any blood at that point, you know, but then again, this is 1967. It's, it's there widely, was blood by then. It's widely regarded as the first of the films from the uh, first of the 70s golden era of filmmaking, or silver era, as it's called. Um, but, and there were, there, we've seen lots of 70s movies that were very tough, they were very hardcore, they were very hard-bitten, you know. But um, my understanding is that, that the scene where I think it's a bank guard or a, I'm not sure who it is, some sort of officer, jumps on the running board yeah, of the car. Yeah, it's one of, I think it's just a, um, a person who works right. at the bank, like the manager or he something. He runs up and jumps on the running board of the car and Clyde, in a panic, shoots through the window and shoots him in the face. Yeah. And that was the first time he saw that in American film. It had been done in Sergio Leone's Westerns. Gotcha. But in an American film, that was the first time he did see something. And it was, it's actually very artfully done, frankly. With a shattered window pane of, of um, he shoots through the window to shoot the um, the pursuing person, or yeah, and in, and and it, there was a there's a piece after that where Clyde is mad that mm-hmm. he had to shoot him, like right. not mad, sore. I guess yeah. is is the way. Like it's not a word that we use very much, but that's what it feels like. Where he's like. I didn't I didn't do anything to him. And he's not wrong. Like that's the thing. Like when they rob one of the the, the mm. bank we see them go into, yeah. there's a farmer there with some money and he's like, Whose money is that? The farmer says mine. He goes, That's yours. Right. They're taking from banks. And right. frankly, I'm not so, mad yeah, about the, it. The film begins <laughs> uh, with Bonnie pacing naked around her bedroom. Mm-hmm. And she's frustrated and she's angry and you can't tell what she's angry or frustrated about. It apparently is in, somewhere between sexual frustration, which is obvious. Yeah. And that's a big part of her character. And this kind of need for excitement and also feeling very confined. Yeah. And my understanding is, um, or what mm-hmm. I'm seeing from various, and one of the things about them is it, things are fuzzy as yes. to real facts, right? Um, and she, but she, when he, they met, she was 19, uh-huh. he was 21. So that's another thing we have to keep in mind. The actors are older than that. I yeah. don't know if they done away was much older than that, but uh, Warren Beatty certainly was. Uh, these are kids. You yeah. know what I mean? These are very young people. And she was, at the time, married to a man who was in prison. Right, so which was never at the age of nineteen. Right. Yeah, we don't we don't talk about that. Or, yeah, it's uh, or never here. brought up yeah. that she's married. Uh, she sees him trying to rob her, his mom's her mom's car. Was that her mom's? It was yeah. just a, it wasn't just a car. And then okay. something about the act of larceny is attractive to her, and so they start they they wind up palling around that day, and she she kind of goads him into. Uh, robbing a liquor store because he's in the, trying to tell to her. like kind of prove right. He she show he shows her the the gun that he has right. and suddenly he's even more attractive to her. And I will say, there is something called the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome, mm-hmm. which is a paraphilia, which is uh like it. It's not like a fetish, but it's like that where you're yeah. attracted to something in particular. It's actually actually called hybristophilia, and it is sexual attraction to people who have committed some sort of outrage is the way that it's yeah. but 
see every woman who throws themselves at serial killers who are in well, prison. Also, it's this um, kind of thing. I think the probably the best example of that is Lorraine Bracco's character in Goodfellas. I've who, never seen Goodfellas. Which is an interesting movie. I should see Goodfellas, probably. And uh, there's a scene where her... Uh, I guess they're in a relationship by that point. And there is a neighbor who hits on her because she's Italian and considered low class. and you know Before Italian people were white. Right. And so she's horrified and sad because this man attempts to sexually assault her in her driveway. And so she calls her uh, boyfriend slash her, her man friend, who comes by and just pistol whips the guy to within an inch of his life in his driveway and then tell, walks over to her house and hides her, tells her to hide the gun. And uh, the, the book, the film is done from the narrator, or it's narrated by several different characters over the course okay. of the movie. And she admits, um, it scared the death. It scared me to death, but it also turned me on mm-hmm. to see him do that because yeah. then I just felt really safe. This guy right. will do anything. There is something uh-huh. that is a. I don't. I don't know how common it is, but mm-hmm. it's certainly a thing for, um, specifically women, but really right. anyone who is attracted to men. To be a little bit attracted to that fact that you could kill me, right. but I know that you There's, won't. And it works in different ways. I remember reading an introduction to one of my horror anthologies I was reading, um, and they talked about uh, showing a picture of a perfect, you know, an attractive woman standing in front of a field of flowers or something. And people were asked, how do, men were asked, heterosexual men in this case, how they responded to that. They showed the same picture of this woman now matted in front of a bridge that looked like it was collapsing and immediately they found her compelling and attractive and it's interesting it's the idea of danger or something that induces fear in you making people even more attractive right, than right. so I, I think that's an element of what was one going of those there. if we're gonna die right. <laughs> we might as so well yeah, die he, yeah. he, he, he uh, robbed this uh, I guess it's a convenience store or something yeah and he gets away with it. Uh, he gets into they he steal gets a into car. a fight. There's a big dude, right. like a big stock well, it's not this person. One. This is, this oh, is that's the not the first one. one, right? The first one is they get away in the car, and she basically wants to. Oh, jump right. She bones. like climbs on him, and he's like, "Nope, nope. This is not what I do. If you want to look for that, go look for it someplace else." But he starts giving this long speech about how he believes in her, and how she's going to be something if they stick together. Right. So I'm not even sure how. He seems to be really convicted of that. He's like, the first moment I saw you, I knew it's like you've known her for a couple of hours. But unlike right. a lot of this kind of Hollywood nonsense, I can actually believe it of these two. Yeah, these two, are they're young enough mm-hmm. and sort of yeah, sucked into that danger right. enough. And that never stops. Like they keep their sort of the, the danger that they're in at mm-hmm. a high level, their entire relationship. Right. Right? So that, um, like at the end of Speed, what she say? Um, relationships that start, you know, in a, in like traumatic situations never last or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, they do if you just keep the traumatic situation going. Right. Like, Well, in this case, then come the scenes that you were describing, which is these really bungled robberies that they try. One is a robbery where he's trying to rob them a bag full of groceries. Yes. And he's attacked by a large man with yes. a meat cleaver, and they get into this knockdown, drag-out fight. 
but he's just he's not really good at robbery he's and she's not. not really good at driving away. And and so there's another time that he tries to rob a bank and it turns out the bank is closed, like you said. Um but there's a moment that Arthur Penn insists on putting in the script that he felt really reflected what why everyday people were protecting them, which is mm. after the bungled robbery at the grocery store, they hide out at an abandoned house. And he's still yeah. making her promises about, you know, I'll give you the moon. And yeah. she's like, I'm sleeping in an abandoned house. Yeah. And, the, and that's like their fir- the first time we see them sort of together overnight or whatever. Right. That could be that that very first night. It's unclear. Yeah. Like I said, time in this movie is... But again, that's intentional. That's malleable. very much like the French New Wave. They're kind of, wait, where are we in the narrative? No me gusta. Um, but they meet a sharecropper who is being kicked out of his home. This is his. This was his right. house. The bank took it. And he's dealing with another... And I, I like that touch. It's like he there's a young... There's an older black man yeah. who's worked with him. He says, this is our house, me and him. This is yeah, our place. We, me and him, we did it. We did it, yeah. Right, and I like the idea that instead of getting this sort of very typical Southern idea about the way that white and black people had relationships, there were some that were like, no, we both worked this together. But and also, I, disappointed. they're in the they're in the Midwest, like the well, I guess they start in Texas, is that right? Or Oklahoma? Yeah, Texas and Oklahoma is where they. But when they see this, um, this is where Clyde starts getting the idea, and this is something that Arthur Penn discussed as well. Mm-hmm. He says, "My idea of the key to the character was Clyde really wants to be remembered for something." Yeah. He wants to be immortalized. He wants a legacy. And so when these guys tell him, um, the bank took, you know, he there's a common enemy they have, the bank, because he was raised by sharecroppers. Right. right? So he gives the guy the gun. He um, hands, yeah. That guy hands it to his, you know, he He shoots co-worker. the, he starts by shooting the sign, sign mm-hmm. the bank sign, and then he gives him the gun. Like, right. I did it. This is what I want you to do. And it's it's cathartic for him. And then, yeah, he gives it to his partner. Right. And it's cathartic for him that he starts shooting out the window. So I'm like, yeah. that's right. <laughs> you don't just, don't just shoot the sign. Hurt the thing that they, they have to right. fix up. Like, make it expensive but for them. But that's really where he starts seeing that the way to get people on your side or what's going to give him that immortality is if he literally becomes some sort of cockeyed Robin Hood. Right. He's not giving away the money. No, but, as but he see, is going after right, the man. He's going after the man. He's, as you said, the, the scene where they successfully rob a bank, he hands the, the farmer back his money. Yeah. And that guy, as a result, later on there's these odd moments. Again, just it feels very anachronistic when we're jumping back and forth to interviews with them. Like we're... Yeah. And uh, interviews with the people that were robbed, and yeah. the farmer's like, you know, I'll he send... Did, he did right by me. And I'm going to, you know, what did he say, send flowers to his funeral? Yeah, the, the, yeah, I, I'll, uh, yeah I'll, I'll be there with flowers, like um, good, uh, a nice bouquet of flowers at his funeral, because right. they all know at this point, yeah. as soon as they kill a cop, which is early at least right. in the film... It's right after they get CW. That's a wrap. <laughs> um, who is played by Michael Pollard. Um... And he's a composite of two actual real life characters, one of whom was the the, the partner that was uh, that they had hooked up with. But uh, CW is just a guy who works as a mechanic, and they come by and they pick him up, and they do the entire bit about they're driving their fancy car, they rob banks, they present him a glamorous lifestyle, 
and he's a little bit simple, but he's really good with machines. Yes. That's the, the rationale yeah. of the film. And so they wind up taking him. And that's yeah. when they have their first big successful robbery. At the same time, it well, comes at the cost of he yeah, kills somebody. He kills somebody, right. But yeah, and, and and there, I understand that total shift, the way that you're discussing it, because in that scene, it's hysterical that he sees a parking space it and he just so drives over. It is so funny to me. I was just like, don't do it. But he's mm-hmm. just, it's in his head that that thing, that, that space right. opened up. Let me just back into it. He does a real nice parallel right. parking job, but I'm like, they don't know where you are, and, cars, and it's going to be harder to get out. Something <laughs> that we brought up when we were watching it, these cars are like two steps up from the Flintstones, put your feet out at the yeah, bottom of the car and run it, It's 1931. Right? Yeah, so these, the <laughs> fact that he parallel parked it at all was like, well, that was It of, was an impressive right. effort, but it was inappropriate. <laughs> right. And I was just like, no, he's not going to do that. And then, but, right after that, right. shot in the face. Shot in the face. And something that, in my research, that came up is that this has become standard in filmmaking. Everything, especially, I think the Coen brothers really use this a lot. Yeah. Um, the kidnapping scene in uh, in Fargo actually parallels Fargo. That, this a lot, uh, which is these just rapid shifts from from real violence to real, like a big laugh, then followed by even more violence sandwiched in there. I think also, Mm -hmm. uh, yes, and I typically enjoy Coen Brothers movies. Now, part of it is, I know what a Coen Brothers movie is. So I know going into it, that's what I'm going to get. I didn't necessarily know that with this. And maybe reading, it's a comic, and Mm -hmm. like neo-noir, sort of a comic um, send-up of gangster movies from the 30s. Which is what they say that it is, and I'm like, I could have been like, oh, okay, yeah, I see what they're I, doing. I think though that you're you're then almost like setting in for the audience at the time who really did look at this and go, what the hell what am the I fuck? looking at? Yeah, and the the other thing about the Con Brothers movies, mm-hmm. I think, is even though the characters are ridiculous mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, they feel realer and more fully drawn yeah. than these two, which is wild. Because these two actually existed. But I guess once you have all of this fantasy build up around these these people, they stop being real people. Right. So I I kind of get that, but it just totally argue that this is not the actual Bonnie and Clyde. No. It isn't and it's not the actual Bonnie and Clyde. It's not the actual Bonnie and Clyde that they're they are this film represents them in a completely such a different way that they could be Completely fictitious characters, right? Which I kind inspired of inspired by. Actual, wish they mm-hmm. were right. If that makes sense, like uh, there are certain things where I'm just like, why did you put this name on it? Like just because it doesn't have anything right. to. I think the clearest representation of that is like, what is it called? Like the second haunting in Connecticut movie. Right. That's like. It's something along the lines of a haunting in Connecticut, colon, a haunting in Georgia. But right. it's, it's not that specifically. It was, like a haunting, it was either Georgia first, and then it was like a haunting in Connecticut part two. And I'm going, this is very geographically confusing. The haunting in Connecticut to ghosts of Georgia. There we go. I'm just like, and then I'm watching. I'm like, well, maybe it ties back mm-hmm. to the story in the haunting of Connecticut 
No, no, it does not. And it was, <laughs> and it, I'm just like, I enjoyed both movies, but I, it's trying to tie it together as part of a franchise. Yeah, or like the cachet of Haunting right. in Connecticut. I'm like, seven people saw that movie. Right. What are you doing? It's very strange yeah. to me when they do that. Also, like the Battleship movie. Just make a movie about, you know, right. the Navy fighting aliens. It does not need to be Battleship. Yeah. Like nobody's is... coming to be like, oh, they make it's like part cheesy the movie, but it's just like like what nobody nobody want nobody asked for this. Just make the movie you want to make. You don't right. have to slap Hasbro on top of it. It's very so, strange. After this, we're introduced to another set of characters, which is um, his brother. Yeah, Buck. Buck and his wife. Such a baby, Gene Hack. Blanche, who is a preacher's daughter. Now. Was this after they did the um, the, the the mini kidnapping that they did? What the mini kidnapping that they did? No, no, this is before, this is before cause, that. Okay, because Blanche and Buck are part of the group by that point. Um, oh, I guess they are in the back yeah. with him. That's right. So they t- and there's some really good interplay between Warren Beatty and Gene Hackman. Yeah, where they look like brothers. They're the, so it's yeah. so weird though. They're like. They're play fighting, but mm-hmm. in a way I've never seen people right. play fight. They just like put their arms down like they're football players and then just run into each other's shoulders. It's it's very strange. Well, that, I, I like the fact that they also play it. Because again, uh, Warren Beatty's character is a kid, really. Yeah, that's true. So he's acting like an emotionally stunted kid. And then you meet his brother and you go, oh, that's the reason oh. why he's emotionally stunted. Um, and... They pal around for a while and very quickly become involved in Bonnie and Clyde's and CW's lifestyle. Uh, immediately. And they being uh, he and Blanche, and mm-hmm. Blanche is the worst. She's Blanche, the worst. Blanche and Bonnie uh, hate each other from good. Right. Because <laughs> and they only hate each other more as the movie goes because on. Because Buck, the first, one of the first things he asks Clyde is, well, did you really have to shoot the guy in the face? It was you or him, wasn't it? It's like he wants to he, reaffirm that... Yeah. You didn't have. You didn't mean to, right? He's right. like, well, no. He jumped on the running yep. board, and that, that's what happened to him. It's like, yeah, it was going to be him or me. And except he was unarmed right. and probably would have fallen off the vehicle at some point. No, but this sure. begins a series of like really awful behavior by the police, which is the way that the, and apparently that part of it is true. They would simply ambush and start shooting. Yeah, people. They come up to the house where they find out that that uh, the, the gang, the Barrow gang, is hanging out. And there's a place in Joplin, Missouri, right? Which they rented, I think, for a month. Mm-hmm. But apparent and apparently in real life, this happened right. or something similar to it. Um, and the police were called, and we don't see this in the movie, but it's not surprising that they were having uh, very late rowdy um, mm-hmm. card games. Right. And they were real loud, and then at some point, a gun accidentally went off, which is Surprising to no one because right. these guys treat guns like they are they're very not. Cavalier. And somehow, by the end of the film, they're using hand grenades. They're using Tommy guns. Like where they got all this is not Unclear. at all covered. It's never made clear. Um, I found out that the actual gang had been affiliated with other gangs, and they mm-hmm. switched up equipment yeah. and armament, and they were basically. You know, part of a ring of, right. of robbers, which makes sense because right. there's only five of them. They need cover. But that, yeah, that first uh, ambush—maybe that's the best way to put it. Yeah, it fully it's, is. They uh, 
Bonnie and Clyde and the brother and CW take off in the car, and, um, and Blanche, Blanche is running screaming, which is the scene that got uh, that was inspired inspired rather the scene in Fargo. Oh, interesting. The same I've way that see, I haven't seen yeah, Fargo since I was fourteen. The kidnappings where this woman's just running around screaming. Apropos, like all this well, violence. Well, yeah, going I guess in her. real life the uh-huh. same thing happened, except she was screaming and chasing a, her dog. She oh had gosh. a little dog uh-huh. that was freaked out because of all the gunfire. Yeah, that seems right. And she, it ran off, mm-hmm. and she like went screaming after it. And then I don't even understand at this point why she hates being with them. She right. doesn't. She, this is not the life that she wants to live. And as soon as she's with them and somebody dies, she's like, well, my life is fucked. Like, right. immediately she's like, even if I don't do anything, I'm associated with them and I'm going to go down with them. Right. But at this point, as she's screaming and just out by herself before they come and pick exactly. her up, I don't know why she doesn't just fucking turn herself in. Yeah. that That's, and again, if it wasn't for the fact that they actually at some point, and I don't know if this is, again, a problem with playing fast and loose with history so that now you have these moments that don't make any it sense. It just doesn't make sense, yeah. Right, why are you, well, you, you know, we know Like, that, I understand you love your husband or whatever, right. but also, like, do you want to die for him? Because I don't think you do. And she doesn't, y'all. She's the one that gets out alive. Oh, and CW does. Right. Uh, so, um, they uh, are nearly hunted down by a, a Texas uh, ranger. Yeah. Like they're out by a by a beautiful lake. Uh, CW asks the pullover because it's going to be a while to get till they get to a bathroom. Another to- another toilet. Mm. The, I guess the lake is the toilet he's talking about because there isn't. Anyways, right. So they uh, they kind of rough up the the actual uh, Texas Ranger who is a somewhere. real person. Yeah. Or is based on a real person. And um, take photographs where they're sort of palling up with him and they release them to the press. Right. And they, like she kisses him on the right. mouth and, and yeah, they're going to release him to the press because uh, then what is he going to do? Right. Now, this is the man who chases them for the rest of the movie right. and in real life um, did gather the posse that killed him, killed which, them, which apparently yeah. in this movie... They show, like, an ass ton of cops. That's who takes them out. Uh In real life, it was him and six dudes. It was a posse, which means it was not a sanctioned political or police. um, It's vigilante. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Because he wasn't even a ranger anymore. Right. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Right? So so what happens is... uh, after that, there's there's a, a couple of scenes where they're going, you know, uh, which just shows a growing antith- antipathy between Bonnie and mm-hmm. Blanche. Um, there are uh, other heists, and there's a really funny scene where mm-hmm. we're introduced to uh, Eugene Grizzard, who's very desperately trying to mack on his girlfriend. Yeah, um, and, and and this is this is the. Screen premiere introducing of, of Gene Wilder, uh-huh. and then the woman that he's with, her name is Evans Evans, which is bananas. Right. <laughs> and, I saw it in the opening credits. I'm like, what is that? And they do this weird. They they run to try to stop the car from being stolen. They get kind of like you're saying this very low energy kidnapping. It's they're kidnapped, and then they wind up sort of either. 
like enjoying get... celebrity or having the fastest case of Stockholm syndrome <laughs> recorded. I think it was a little bit of like of, uh, these of people, as much as they are mm-hmm. killers and whatnot, they also are kids that, are, uh, if they're not trying to kill you, right. are probably pretty chill to be around. Right. And, <laughs> like, and as we can see, at least again, as the way the film portrays it, a lot their killings are defensive. Somebody shows up at whatever house you've rented with a dozen cops and they just start shooting through your windows. Yeah. I mean, Blanche, she screamed when she saw them and that's, instead of going in or trying to get a negotiator or any of the things that were familiar nope, with them, they, open they opened fire, fire. shotguns through the window to try to, you know, stop whatever's going on from going on. So, I think that's another thing, another um, element of this film. You can understand why the police are so hated by the locals because that's justice at the time. So, um, right, so there's, uh, they kidnap Eugene and his girlfriend, Velma. Uh, I think they get burgers or whatever. Like, they're yucking it up, and then, like, night falls, and they finally ask what Eugene does, which I was like, I bet he's a cop, like, and he better lie. But he wasn't a cop. He was an undertaker, which is, they really did, Kidnap at one point an mm-hmm. undertaker and his uh, lady friend, acquaintance they say, um, and as soon as she hears Bonnie hears undertaker, she's like, right. kick him out, get him out of the car. She's a little superstitious. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand why. I'd yeah. never heard. Right, there's no preparation for that either. That moment where she's no. so frightened or superstitious that she can't be in a car with an undertaker. But she's not gonna. They, she won't kill him. Right, she won't. Because that's bad like luck. They didn't, they didn't die. They just no. got left by the side of the road wherever they were. So this then leads to the scene where Bonnie is motivated to have dinner with her, uh, or to see her family, rather. Yeah. And there's a picnic arranged, and everyone's off uh, having a good time and whooping it up. And yes, it is shot through this very soft-focus lens that makes it look like they're in a fog at the that seashore. Was the thing. I was like, is this a dream? Like, I couldn't... Because there's a point where she just runs off into a field and she's bit, like, we don't like the term mm-hmm. hysterical, but right. there's not really another term for what she's freaking out right. for seemingly no reason. But we don't, we cut to this fairly quickly and we don't know what was happening 10 minutes before. And uh, Clyde catches up with her and she's like, I want to see my mom. And I'm like, because they had said a couple of times, like, we can't. They're definitely going to be looking, watching mm-hmm. your mom. Like, there's no way we can right, go, we back can't there. go back there. Um, we should say that at some point prior to this, I believe they did end up sleeping together. I think it's after this. Mm, I feel like this is very close to the end, mm. but maybe I'm wrong. No, because you know, I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but they do. They do end up sleeping together. Oh, no, at some it's point. right before they die. Right before the end is when they successfully consummate this relationship. I think. It was but, it was it was before they were injured and it was before mm-hmm. Buck died. So okay, then they yeah. This is a... So uh, it's unclear. It's, mm-hmm. Also, what is time in this movie? Right. It could have been three days in and they just put it in the middle. Like I don't know. Uh, we should also say that CW is only ever referred to in the news as unidentified suspect. Right. They don't. Nobody knows who he is until later. Um. So right, at, I think after the scene right after this is when with they his parents, ambushed. Yeah, they are ambushed again. And they have a shootout. 
Buck is mortally wounded. Shot in the face? Um, it's pretty awful. Yeah, it's bad. And uh, you know who else is shot in the face? Blanche. Blanche. <laughs> um, and they end up having to leave Buck because he's not. Right, and I don't know if they believe he's dead because he just stops moving and they have to get going. Right. And then he winds up waking up and he's surrounded by... But uh, but he's di- dying. Right. Like, he's if he didn't clearly, die right then, it was like a four-minute His brain is fritzing and he's yeah. talking about things that aren't going on at the yeah. time. And, and Blanche yeah. stays with him mm-hmm. with a, uh, her own uh, eye wound. Um, and, and she does survive. And then she's in a hospital. Just her head is wrapped up. She looks right. like a Q-tip. Her head is wrapped up, and the the Texas Ranger, mm-hmm. um, who we've seen in a couple of other places, I think that's who interviews the farmer, and that like I think it's that guy who's going around um, gets Blanche to say who CW is. So now right. they know who he is. Now at this point, they the three survivors, yeah have moved off, of the gang, really, have moved off, and they're staying with C.W.'s dad. Bef- they st- No, before that... Oh, is this... Did right. they get super wounded, too? Right, they yeah, get wounded. Sh- Bonnie got shot in uh-huh. the arm. Um, I think Clive got shot, like, in the shoulder. Right. Um, and they're both, like, in real bad shape. C.W.'s okay. He's, I think, got, a, a like, a flesh wound. Mm-hmm. He's He's not too wounded. And he ends up... They end up driving to... Like a a homeless camp, like a right. you know, we're talking about grapes of wrath right. style shit, right? Um, like literally, they're in Oklahoma, and he like comes out and he's like, "Does any do you have any water?" And they recognize, they're like, "Are you <laughs> like right. is that Bonnie and Clyde?" And they give him water, and they all kind of circle the thing. They give him some food, mm-hmm. and then he he's off again. But it's like, yeah, these people who don't have anything, and right. and they're like. Both Bonnie and Clyde are in the back of this car, like, looking like they're about to die. Like, they're both sort of unconscious. They're covered in blood. And then, yeah, they go, now they go to see the He's played by Dub Taylor, who is another great character actor of the age. And his big problem with all of this is that CW has an ugly tattoo on his chest. It is an ugly tattoo. (laughs) I find interesting the element that. Uh, of his character where he's just really he is uh, uh what is his character name? Ivan 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 Moss um is both fascinated by Bonnie and Clyde enough mm-hmm. to give him shelter and like the celebrity of them. Right. And at the same time is thinking that they're on the road to hell and, and they're a corrupting influence on right. his boy. There's no wife in the picture. there's no mom mm-hmm. in the picture. Yeah. Um, we don't know what happened there, but he is very much acting um, like he's a safe harbor for them. Right. Uh, and then it turns out, mm-hmm. <laughs> not so much. Right, he's not doing it out of any genuine sense of caring, because he smacks C.W. around, too. Yeah, that's true. Although, um, I bet that was how you showed love to your kids right. then. I mean... yeah. Yeah, toxic masculinity has deep, deep roots. Uh, and um, so at one point, he tells CW, like, when you guys go into town, mm-hmm. don't get into the car when they come back. Don't right. do it. And he's like, and CW can't put, like, doesn't put it together because I don't think he's all together <clears throat> altogether. But they go 
all into the town. He goes in, like, he says, he ostensibly he goes into the hardware store. I don't know if that's actually what happens, mm -hmm. but that's what they say. And they see a bunch of cops coming around. And so they're like, we got in the car. We got we to gotta get out of here. And they take off, and they're like, well, what about CW? And he's like, we'll come back in five minutes mm -hmm. once the, the cops are gone. And they're driving down the road, driving down the road, and they see his dad on the side of the road, and he's got a flat tire. And so they pull over to help him, and that's when they're ambushed. And, and just shot to bits. Just it's crazy. Like, if, especially Bonnie, um, she's sitting in the car, mm -hmm. and I would guess she's hit with 75 bullets. Yeah, it's, um, and that scene in itself also, as we were saying, there are echoes of this film. It was really, it's very influential. Yeah. There's echoes of this film in Fargo, uh, in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, for sure. The Especially the guy getting shot in the face when you didn't expect it. Uh, the one who jumped on the car, the, that shot's echoed with yeah. uh, the, the shooting of the, yeah. uh, whatever the bank officer was that, that gets shot in the face, and the, the young black kid who's in the back of the backseat of the car in Pulp Fiction, where he just gets shot out of nowhere. Um, and in this case, this influenced Francis Ford Coppola mm. in The Godfather, when yeah. Sonny gets Absolutely. shot to bits. Yeah, and, yeah uh, and it's done, They something that didn't happen in actual life, apparently, is that Bonnie Lee, uh, stays in the car and and uh, Clyde leaves Clyde's it. out of the car. Yeah, apparently the car was moving. Right. So they just it was an it was a a really a, a it was bushwhacking is what yeah the the Texas Ranger did. He actually literally just had them shoot them. Like and once again, like a sniper. In here we're seeing right. twelve cops, mm -hmm. maybe more. Right come out, out of the woods on the other side. And when he, Clyde's getting out and walking toward um, C.W.'s dad, uh -huh. who then gets down on the ground and rolls under his, right. his truck, and he's like, what are you doing? And then he, like, looks back, and that's when they just open fire. But, yeah, in real life, it was just yeah. a posse of six. It's just crazy. And at the same time, it's without... At the risk of uh, affiliating it with modern current events, it seems to show a through line from the way the police treated people then to this the open assassination of people now mm -hmm. to this mm -hmm. day. This kind of uh, they don't face any uh, issues about this. Uh, they don't face any consequences. It's about interesting it. too because there is a little bit of a delineation between the way that cops kill people mm -hmm. now a lot of times when they are either unarmed or have done nothing that would be considered a capital offense and right. these guys who have definitely would if put in front of a jury get the death well put in front of a judge maybe in a bench trial would mm -hmm. get the death penalty yeah. like they've killed enough people where they would get the death penalty um so there's like this. Well, you you still have some, like the state um, killing them, just to, you know, without putting the taxpayer right. money th well, into see, it. But uh -huh. you're also entitled to your day in court, right? Which <laughs> is what they were robbed of. But also the fact that we will never know exactly what they did, mm -hmm. as a, in in because one of the things, uh, as I said, the director was trying to push was that. 
Beatty's character really wanted immortality. And at one point, uh, Bonnie starts writing poems and yeah. she sends them to local newspapers. Yeah. And in, in this film, during, at his insistence, and this is when he overcomes his impotence. Mm, like, once he right. knows that his name is his legacy is preserved, that he can actually physically consummate this relationship with her. And this is kind of facile, I think. I'm not sure that's the, that's the proper pronunciation of the word facile. Spell it? Uh, F-A-C-I-L-E. Or is it facile? I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was facile. Superficial. Okay. What do you mean superficial? Facile. <laughs> um, which is where I like less. I, in my head when I read it, mm-hmm. I read facile. I don't know that I've ever heard it said out loud. So there we go. So the it's broken down in terms that made sense to an audience with an, a, a working knowledge of psychology mm-hmm. then, which is... She's attracted to him and attracted to his gun. At one point, when he can't make love to her, she turns around and strokes his gun. Yeah. And at the very end, he he's able to make love to her successfully, and the gun doesn't play a part in it any longer. Mm-hmm. And it's just to me that's it's very superficial. This ba- basic, right? The word basic comes to mind. This idea mind. that oh, the gun represents his penis. I yeah, I didn't understand mm, that. Interesting, yeah. And, and so it, it just like why is she stroking the gun? Why is she sad? And, and then finally, you know, he's effectively he's caught red-headed and disarmed uh, because he's now able to consummate this. He now is going to go on to to be an adult man or something. So now that's when he dies because he's caught without his. It's just really strange and yeah. weird. And um, and like I, like we say, ba- basic. Right, but it's almost like it's broken Some down. Some lowest common denominator right. stuff, which kind of makes sense because these people are pretty much lowest common denominator people. Yeah. Like they're not fully formed. People like they're they're still you know b- babies kinda. <laughs> so what did you think of the film overall? You, I mean, aside from not limited, like, is there a redeeming quality to it, or did you did you find it thrilling in any way? I mm, I think, like I said, I think that last scene is very effective. Mm-hmm. My problem with calling it thrilling is to me, like we we spoke about Rear Window last week, right? And I said I had trouble. I I felt like the thrill was all in the last fifteen minutes of that film, okay. but there was ratcheting up. The problem with this movie, to me, and calling it thrilling, is when you jump around in time so much, I can't get any ramp up. Mm-hmm. And I know that Bonnie and Clyde are killed in a shootout. No, it's not even a shootout right. they, because ambush. they don't in an ambush. They don't. Even, they don't have guns out. They right. don't fire a single shot. Um, and so, I I know we're leading up to that, but there's not a, there's no ramp up, um, other than the fact that they keep getting sort of shot at by cops, and every time they get shot at by cops, it's a little bit worse for them. Uh-huh. But that's not. <sighs> I think that another film with this influenced a great deal was Bonnie and Clyde. Excuse me. Um, Bush casting the Sundance Kid. Oh, interesting. But I think that film maintained a much better balance 
between... Also, those characters were more well-rounded. Right, they were more well-rounded, and they were more likable, really. It's like they had a motivation beyond what they were doing. They weren't defined. We rob banks. That's the way they define yeah. themselves. And I doubt that them in, they in real mm-hmm. life right. were so two-dimensional. Yeah. I think what the success of this film really is the actors. I think Warren Beatty has a scene where Bonnie is shouting at him. He literally, I was, I was yeah, like I said, Warren Beatty really is he's hiding from her. Like he's hand shy. He's yeah. afraid that she's going to hit him or something or something. Right. She just, yeah, and I like I said, I think Warren Beatty's acting in this mm-hmm. is really, really good. Right. I don't think Faye Dunaway's acting in it is very good. I think Gene Hackman is better than Blanche 100%. Um, I do want to say, I think it's funny that the woman, like Blanche in real life, Uh approved the first go-around of the script. Uh They didn't say they changed it all. And then when she watched it, she was like, they made, what is her quote? Um, Hold on, I want to find it because it made me laugh. Uh, The film, that film made me look like a screaming horse's ass. He's not wrong. Yeah. Of all of the flat characters in this movie, she is the flattest. Yeah. I feel like CW might be the most well-rounded. CW and Clyde. I think right. Clyde is. But we're we're so with him in whatever the present happens to be that we're watching, uh-huh. even if we don't know where in the timeline it is, that we don't know why he is the way that he is. We get no flashback. Yeah. We get no talking about... Other than I was in prison and did it right at the very beginning, um, we don't get any history of either of them. Yeah. Yeah, we know that she is a waitress, and we know that he was is, in jail. He was in jail. <laughs> and, and was in the military at some point. He, he cuts off his toes to get, that's what we know about his past. That explains the limp. To get out of work detail, and that's kind of all that we have to it. Um, I think the film. I can understand why it's found to be thrilling for some, and it is very modern in terms of the influence it's had and the kind of you can. It's it's not like you're watching a film made necessarily in 1967. Right, and I can see mm-hmm. putting it on the AFI top hundred American movies. Right, list. which is it's that too. which it is, right. and it's it's fairly high up. Having it at number thirteen. Yeah. On the thrills list? Seems. Yes, which is why we want to do this special series afterwards, <laughs> which is like films that should be, the should be on the list. Yeah. yeah. I've already began collecting them. So, yeah, I've got some notes as well. It's just, it's a little bit baffling to me. Uh-huh. Not necessarily that it's on the list, but that it is so high on yeah. the list. Um, once again, I think it would have been helpful if the AFI had defined their terms. What do you consider thrilling? Because I'm not clear, and I've watched 80-some movies that you've defined as thrilling, and I still don't know what your parameters are, which is a little bit strange. I feel like I should know by now. Um, Do you find it thrilling? I find it, well, it reminds me of, and this is going to be an odd comparison. Ah, bring it on. Uh, like a Bond film. In that uh, no, there I are set that. pieces, only in this case, it's like we're just building up to the next set piece. Yeah. Because there isn't really right. a plot. There doesn't seem to be an overarching plot. It's or, literally, they meet, they right. do a bunch of shit, and then they die. Like, 
Right, and we're not given enough. There's no growth. There's no character the, growth. Right. There's no well, aside from him overcoming his impotence. I think that's cool. That's really what <laughs> his character arc consists of: him being a stunted kind of uh, adult child, and then he yeah. And, and again, she has no growth. Right. She's just the same kind of. And I, I do. I love that opening scene in a way. That scene where she looks like she's caged. Yeah. Um, and that's all that you get, though, in terms of her development. After that, she's kind of snippy and she's sort of mean spirited at times. And, yeah. And but she, she's and she's very. She complains about the life that she's just embraced and ran away with. She, yeah. She feels like she's. She thinks she's above it all. Mm-hmm. Well, this is where she has chosen to be, right? And it's just like, ma'am, like yeah. There's times when you, but also she's nineteen, and I think that to her credit, Faye Dunaway apparently is not an easy actress to work with. That's my understanding as well. And so, um, so when she's put together with other actors, for instance, there's numerous stories from the set of Chinatown, um, and other films which Um, we have talked about. Right, I think she's. Much better than that, but she's also older than that. I'm right. trying to figure out. She was 25 when they filmed this film. Um, Ish. She was uh-huh. born in 1941. And Warren Beatty was is four years older than her. So he was 30, right. which is about where I put him. So he was attached, and I get that. But also, they should have had younger people play. Right. Um, but you're also remembering this is the, or you must remember, this is when 30-year-olds were playing high school students. I mean, that so, happened yeah. all the way up into the 90s. Yeah. It happens now. Yeah. I don't think anyone on Riverdale is under 26. <laughs> or it wasn't yeah. when the show started. So, I mean. Oh, the whole big But you can't have a high school full of people who are fucking and have well, actual kids in there. The whole innovation for Degrassi Junior High. At the time. That they actually use kids. They actually use <laughs> junior high age students. See, Drake. And Not so, the original one, I guess no. he was in the uh, But that was, that was sort of startling, because at the time, going, what, why do they look like kids? Oh, because they are kids. You know, they're, yeah. not, they're not college seniors playing, you know, high school juniors. Right. But, yeah, it's an interesting, are there parts of it that are thrilling? But, by and large, I it, it just... It was too. the The mood was very evasive for me. Also, like they 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 get, like they're constantly, like the movie is they're young, they're in love, mm-hmm. right? Right. I didn't. We don't get that much of the the love relationship between the two of them. Yeah. We get a lot of her complaining, a lot of him trying the, to. They're infatuated right. with each other and the situations they're in. Right. It doesn't and feel I do like love. Like that first scene is the best. Really, the is the best scene. Their, their first. Uh, meeting. And yeah, I think so. There's I'd a, agree with that. Uh, an interesting observation that one reviewer made is that you're looking at this sort of modern version of Romeo and Juliet. She's in the balcony, and he sees her and yeah. speaks to her. That kind of. But other than that, it's once they actually begin their life of crime, it becomes. Um, you turn me on. Why can't you get it up? And, and his yeah. thing is. Uh, you're, Leave me alone. <laughs> you're taking it away from me because you're just so cruel and demanding, and then eventually yeah. they come to some sort of. And I think the reason that we don't see uh, that depth of of emotion or uh, link between them is because they're not deep 
characters. Like, mm. they're, they're not portrayed as deep characters. I don't know if the actual people were deep either, for that I, I, matter. Who, right? who could say? Right, we can't, because uh, the Texas Ranger shot the hell out of him, but... The uh, former Texas, former Texas Ranger. Ranger, that's Once right. Once again, he was just a bunch of dudes. Alright, we're going to stop talking about this movie now. It's fine. If you want to watch it, I guess you can. <laughs> God, okay. That is a no. sparkling recommendation. Well, I'm t- I mean, objectively, it is a good movie. It is an important movie in cinema. Subjectively, uh, not for me. That's, right. that's where we're and at. We, we've seen several of those that were... It's yeah, just no, not... of course. Um, and I'm hoping that's good. Well... Next week, <laughs> we're going to watch some racism. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> we're also going to get to see a big monkey, ape, ape. but uh, it, explicit racism. <laughs> there's a, it, there's a, um, it's going to be an interesting film because I've seen this movie. We're watching movie, King Kong from right? 1933. <laughs> I've seen this movie since I was a kid. It was on a lot. And also for a person who loves dinosaurs. Yeah. For years, this was the big movie with dinosaurs in it. it was and the big, big bugs. Dinosaur it's got big bugs in it. Yeah. Although the big bugs actually didn't make it into the final cut of the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. No. Oh. Uh, which is why um, when when uh, they did the, one of the several remakes of this yeah, film. There's been a bunch. Uh, Peter Jackson oh, yeah. insisted on doing the big bug scene because it got cut out of the original film. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's it's... Technically, really interesting, but thematically, there's so much wrong with it. Yeah, just so where you're like, what the hell? Why? It's 1933, is why. Right. It's 1933. You know how that movie that we we have been talking about was set between 1931 and 1934, but was filmed in 1967. This movie was filmed while they were robbing banks for perspective. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, that's it's gonna, a black and white. It's going to be very interesting to watch this with you since you haven't seen it. I have seen pieces of it, right? But when it's all put together, it. I also it has really a thought effect. it was going to be like a cool eighty minutes, and it is no. a half an hour more than that. Right, but so. still moves a hell of a lot faster than Peter Jackson's take on it. Moves a lot faster than. Do you know De Laurentiis film moved? It just goes at a Do you know De Laurentiis did one? Oh, he is did, that the one? The, the, that's the Jessica one with... Lange yeah, Jessica Lange, that's the right. The one where um, Meryl Streep was considered for the lead. She wasn't pretty enough or she whatever. She wasn't pretty enough, and she heard them say that as she was leaving, and she turns around to them and speaks back to them in perfect Italian, because oh, she's Meryl fucking Streep. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I'm going to go get 17 Oscars, <laughs> right. so whatevs. <laughs> right. Too bad it couldn't be in your big gorilla movie. Yeah, da- damn. <laughs> well, I yeah, guess that's I'll just wild. have to go on and do the French Lieutenant Swimming or maybe Sophie's Choice. <laughs> wild. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, that is what we're going to do next week. The mm-hmm. 1933 King Kong. Not the 70s one or not the 80s one or the 90s one or 2000s one. But not, the OG. Right. Is it based on a book? No, there was a book written after it was made. A novelization. A, yeah, there was a novelization. <laughs> one of the early novelizations. Okay, um, so this is mm-hmm. original racism, right. not racism it, pulled also, from literature. If you can separate that from it, I know. it's very much like watching The Wizard of Oz, in which you're watching, the, that was the height of technology at right. the time. This is very much the height of technology right. in 1932 or three. So it's it's really interesting to watch it. It's been very influential. Yeah. 
to a bunch of filmmakers that I respect and admire, but yes. Ten bucks on, I like that one more than I like this one. So we'll see how it goes. Probably. Um, in the meantime, do you have anything you want to recommend? Yes. Uh, this Saturday, we went to Sunday. We saw a movie about a bug. We did see, well. It's kind of about, about a bug. bug. <laughs> There's a bug. A bug features prominently. Right. Um, it's a film called Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. And it's based on a superhero from way back when. <laughs> called Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle. It's a DC movie. Right. Um, apparently it did not do well in theaters. Um, I will say that that is probably because of The Flash. <laughs> right. Because The Flash um, is not a good movie. We watched it recently. There's, it was... There were parts that were entertaining. Right. But overall, not a good movie. It's familiar with the expression, the curate's egg. Oh, you, you, yes, right. no, I wasn't, but you told me right. about it. Which is an attempt to not find only fault with the egg that he was given for breakfast. He says, well, parts of it were excellent. And I feel that way about The Flash. There were parts of it that were really funny. Yeah. And really well written. And then And then there was like, the rest of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Blue Beetle is, it reminds me of Shazam, in yeah. a way. In yeah. that it is so much more fun than it needed to be. Yeah. And also was, super Mexican. Right. This is the most this probably is even more Mexican than recent films like Coco. I don't I don't know. This You've is, never seen Coco. But is it more Mexican? I don't know. Okay, I don't know if you saw it. I I did see it, right. but I am not the arbiter it's, of what is Mexican. <laughs> you are the Mexican person well, here. I'm not quite the Mexican, but um <laughs> Well no no, no. You're not all Mexican. No, no, but my family's mestizo, right? And we moved from California to Mexico after the United States came and took our land. So we went to Mexico and we fought for the Mexico Mexico as a large and then came back to California because, you know, the wrong side won the revolution. But anyhow, the point is... <laughs> Gotta yes, get out of here, we're I, Christian. Gotta bounce. <laughs> my, my grandmother was a soldera for Pancho Villa. Um, like this grandmother. Right. <laughs> So it's a really, really fun movie. It was really... I really enjoyed it. And it's hysterical. I liked watching these characters. And there's, it's very much like watching the Spy Kids movies in that Mexican identity is at the heart of this it's, movie. Yeah, it is... It is a movie about family, right. but specifically it is a movie about Latin family. Right. Like, that, what that bond is. Right, and th- these they talk about the the work that the fa- the the uh, the parents did to bring the right. rest of the family across the border. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the lines is um, people think crossing the border is hard, and it is. But what's harder is the next twenty years, right? And that's like legit. Yeah, the, I will, there's a, a secret history to one of the villains of the film, the henchman of the film. That really kind of, I was surprised that they went there. Yeah. That they're like, oh, no, 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 this is what happens. This is a product of the United States intervention in Central America. Yeah. And I was just sort of shocked, like, oh, Colonialism okay. and imperialism. Right. Yeah. yeah. And what it has brought. to the imperialists. That was yes, hysterical. very good. It's, it's There's a, a lot of it that's in Spanish, right. some of which is translated for and you on the screen. And some of which you should, which should know. Yes. <laughs> and if you... You get the vibe, right. even if you don't know what they're saying. I happen to be We're almost, almost right. fluent in my understanding, right. not as fluent in my California speech. California 
half of the place names, more than half, are in Spanish. Yep. And a lot of phrases are in Spanish. In and the a West, lot of it's like that. people here are Spanish right? speakers. And we were sitting there in a theater with a lot of Spanish speakers who were just yucking it up because yeah. it's they funny. got a lot of, yeah. The fact that, like, uh, when the hero is, uh, he's, he gets this suit that gives him superpowers and he's jettisoned up into the sky. And as he's falling, he's. He's repeating the Our Father in, in Spanish. In Spanish, right. Yeah. There's a, there's a really funny scene where he first gets taken over the suit, and uh, Grandma is sitting there listening to uh, uh, Vicente Fernandez sing El Rey, which is hysterical because... That's their family name. The, the Reyes. But yeah. it's it's also, that's like the most Mexican song on earth. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of that to it, and that adds to it. The, the film, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. And also is really respectful of the origin stories. I was telling oh, yeah. uh, you that there are several origin stories. They kept rebooting the Blue Beetle back in the day to, yeah. to sort of make it more relevant for another generation. Right. And instead of trying to choose one of those stories, they just included all of them. Yeah, in they're just like, this is the this is the past right. and this is the now. Yeah. Which so, is probably the best way to do it. Yeah. Like, give me an origin story of somebody I don't know. That's yeah. fine. Um, and and as you said, the original Blue Beetle wasn't de- devised as a Latin character, right. unlike like Kamala Khan, who was devised yeah. as an ethnic. Or for that matter, um, a Black Panther was right. devised as a black character. Right. Um, it better be. Well, woof. <laughs> um, but th- so there's a, the origin story here is fine. Plus, it's not like you've, you know, right. But uh, yeah, I just I, Uncle Ben died again. Right, <laughs> like, we know. <laughs> yes, poor Uncle Ben. Damn. Yeah, and the the you know the Waynes. It's not great. <laughs> Die in an alley. Like we get it. We Martha. get it. Please, Martha. Please don't. Um, I never saw it, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, no, it was really. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. So is that what you're recommending as nope. well? Nope. What are you recommending? I'm going to recommend another movie that's in theaters. Right. Another comedy, oh, that's very right, that's different right. vibe, called Bottoms, which is like a ra- raunchy sex comedy, kind of. It is two teenage girls, both lesbians, uh, start a fight club. That's the broad overview. Okay. That is what I knew going in. That's all I knew going in. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. I'd okay, never good. seen a trailer. I'd never seen it. A poster. Mm-hmm. I'd seen the name on marquees or whatever, and I was like, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. And then I was listening to a podcast, and they were like, it was really good. And everybody on the podcast was in I, consensus that it I was really good. I think that movies are having really hard issues these days, especially coming out of the pandemic. It's really hard to advertise. It's really hard to get your... And I think that part of the issue with Blue Beetle, I didn't even know when it dropped. Yeah. And it was our roommate who was just like, oh, no, we have to go see it. Like, wait, that, that movie's out now? I didn't it's know that been, it was. And it had been out right. for, like, a month. Like, yeah. we're in, like, week f- three or four. Yeah. But it's down to one theater at one one time on right. Sunday. Like, it, it went, it came and went very, very and quickly. And I think that, yeah, there's there's been issues. I think the, the most successful movies were, I think, Barbie. I think Barbie's actually the most successful film. Yeah, that came out of the post pandemic. Yep. Absolutely. World. Yep. Billions. And I would dollars. like to point out that during the pandemic, the most successful film was Godzilla vs. Kong. Why? Yes. Because Godzilla and Kong 
And yeah. so you knew exactly yeah. what you were getting. It wasn't like Bonnie and Clyde. What are they going to do? If they get shot? No, no. Yeah, no. That's all I call. Yeah, like I remember when Alien vs. Predator came out, and uh, I was like, I'm going to see that. And somebody we worked with was like, who's in that? And I was like, the humans don't matter. Right. It's Alien versus Predator. And That's who's in it. Right. Alien and Predator. To their credit, they do try to put together a cast of really interesting actors. Sonal Atham is the... Yes, right. she's fantastic. But, like, but I mean, in, Alien... In that one, it was also Predator. Rebecca uh, Hall. Oh, in the new... And, yes, right, in the, and in the, the new you know, all the All the... Um, and uh, Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah. And just... Uh, they, they put together these really interesting casts. But yeah. in the end... You're there for Godzilla, Godzilla or Kong. And Kong. <laughs> so, um, so Bottoms is a low budget, uh-huh. written by women. A lot of the staff, so like, like Booksmart, in that it, it is. It's got uh-huh. bo- Booksmart vibes. If you like Booksmart, mm-hmm. you'll probably okay, like good. this. No, I probably will. And one of the two leads mm-hmm. is Ao Adabiri, who is in The Bear. Oh, okay, she plays Sydney in The Bear. I really like her. I find her to be an extremely compelling performer. Right. Um, and But she's been in Abbott Elementary. She's been in... Uh, she's voice uh, voices one of the characters in Big Mouth, mm-hmm. which I really should probably see because I've only ever heard good things about it. Apparently she's also in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I don't know. I haven't seen it. The new one. Right. Um but I think the bear is strong across mm, the board yeah. and it's on its cast. I think she's no, you, you right up to, there with everybody I, that's else. That's one of the things I appreciate about that show. It's one of those programs where everyone is bringing their A-game. Yep. And so if you don't, you will stand out like a sore thumb. Like, for instance, Quentin Tarantino in Total Pulp Fiction, right? <laughs> yep. He's like, why? You just want to give right. yourself the the honor of calling Samuel Jackson the N-word a whole bunch of times? Right. Cool. Yeah. <sighs> um, yeah, so Bottoms is my recommendation. Okay, if you good. can find it in theaters, watch it in theaters. It's also Blue Beetle you should see in theaters. It's a big superhero movie, right? right? Bottoms you could watch at home. Yeah. We rent it though. Like give it some money. Don't wait for it to come out for free on streaming. Give mm. it some money because independent film is important. <laughs> and this it, is a really is. good one. This yeah. is a really it's very enjoyable. Like I laughed out loud. I was by myself in the theater. I wasn't mm-hmm. by myself. I was, I was sat alone. I didn't bring anyone with me. There were only like five other people in the theater. All of us laughing out loud, Multi- like right. consistently through the the the, the movie. Um, yeah, it's it's very good, and but it's also like heartfelt. Like there's. Yeah. Round, well-rounded characters, like it's it's Unlike good. Bonnie and Clyde. Okay. Unlike yes. So next week, buckle up your seatbelts. We're gonna watch King Kong, uh, and we will talk to you then. In the meantime, uh, if you want to find us on the internet, it's email at latecomerspod at gmail dot com, or it's Facebook. Um, turns out our Facebook uh, link is facebook dot com slash latecomerspod. So if you want to go directly there, you can. You know where it is, y'all. If you're listening to this, you probably know where it is. So, uh, that wraps it up. I would like to take this time to remind you to please remember to take your medicines. And we would like to remind you, better better late late than than never. never.